With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome podcast. Welcome to episode 28 of the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. Per usual, let me start off by saying, I hope you're winning the battle within more days than not, and you're stacking those days and wins. Now, I say this right off the top because that's one of the primary messages of today's guest, Tim Grover. Truth be told, Tim was one of the very first people I began to effort when I decided to take this project on. He's the CEO of Attack Athletics. He is also renowned for his work with world champions and Hall of Famers like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, and hundreds of other NFL, MLB, and Olympic athletes. He is also a best-selling author. He's written two of the best books I have ever read. Relentless, which he and I spoke about extensively back in 2013, and his newest book, Winning, which was released earlier this year. Now, when I got that book, I sat down, I read it in a single sitting, and then I thumbed out a text telling him that I thought the book was, quote, a mother-bleeping masterpiece, and I do. So literally, I've been waiting months for the opportunity to talk to him about that book and some other things. I finally get the opportunity, and it absolutely does not disappoint. I know you're going to feel the same way. It's episode 28 of the Reinvention Project with renowned performance coach Tim Grover, and it's coming at you right now. Uh, Tim, this is a conversation that I've been looking forward to having for quite some time. You know I've got a tremendous amount of respect for you and appreciation for you. I really appreciate you making time to have this chat because I think it's a very important one. My man, how you doing, Tim? I'm doing excellent, man. How about yourself? I'm great. I'm awesome. And I want to jump right into it. Listen, you and I spoke when you wrote Relentless back in 2013. And I told you, Tim, at that time that I thought it was one of the most impactful, important books I'd ever read. And your most recent book, Winning, dropped not that long ago. I immediately read that book. I told you as great as Relentless was and is, Winning is even better. Seems to me, Tim, like any peak performer, you're constantly trying to evolve and grow and change. So while we could discuss this for hours, generally speaking, how is Winning different than Relentless? And what is your message this time around with the release of this book? Well, you know what? It's it's a continuing conversation from... Uh, from relentless into into winning. So relentless was more about the individual, the tra- the traits that describe that I thought described individuals and their competitive their comp- competitive nature. And then what I wanted to do with winning was say, okay, here are the different personalities that you are uh, that I categorize people in uh, relentless. You know, whether you're a cooler, closer, or cleaner, all right, and how each personality attacks winning and what winning means to them. And I basically made winning into like a, a, almost like a person. It was like a person and just saying, Hey, everyone looks at what winning looks like at the end. You know, they look at the, the one day of celebration, but they don't, they don't understand the years and hours 
and what you said earlier about, you know, evolving, changing, adapting in order to continue to get those wins, get that, get that first win. And I wanted people to take a look at behind of what it, winning was really, really about. All right, so Tim, you hit on one of the most critical topics of all, I think, early on in the book when you talk about winning the battlefield of the mind. Why is that so important, and how do you go about doing that? Well, you know what? That, that's where winning starts and ends. You know, if you listen to all the greatest competitors in sports, business, everything, they always talk about the winning mindset. That you know, it's from the neck up. That's what separates. That's what separates them from everybody else. That's that's where their discipline comes from. That's where their work, their work ethic comes from. That's where their ability to say no comes from. It, it's it, it's how strong can you be from the neck up to handle all the distractions, to handle all the things that are going to be, that are going to be coming your way. You ha- and it's all one in that battlefield, you know, on your mind. That's where everything is one because there's a constant war that's going on, a constant battle that's going on in there, not only with yourself, with all the pressure that you put on yourself to constantly perform at the highest level, to constantly, to, to constantly do better, to be your own cheerleader, to never be, to, you know, being satisfied, but never being truly uh, satisfied. So you have your own minds that are constantly going off and you have to figure out how to maneuver those things. And then you have influences from the outside that are also trying to plant landmines in your, uh, in your head, you know, like giving you an example of saying like, you know, you need to take it easy or you work too much or, you know, why do you have to do that? You've accomplished, you've accomplished uh, so much. You know, they give you these things that kind of make you try to make you feel comfortable and they see you in a different light. And those are the, what I call the, you know, the, the quote unquote, the positive mind field that other people try to put put in there. So not only do you have to navigate everything that's all the thought, all the thought ideas and, and everything else that's going on in your own thought process. Now you also have to deal with the battlefield that other people are placing in there. All right, so I'm trying to check. With your own, how in the hell are you going to deal with somebody else's? I am so hyped to talk to you about a brand new sponsor on this podcast, Overland. Overland is a family-owned American heritage brand that has put comfort and quality first for nearly 50 years. They offer outerwear, accessories, and home decor made from sustainable natural fibers like sheepskin, leather, and wool. Overland uses expert craftsmanship to pair the highest quality merino sheepskin, which is naturally moisture-wicking, temperature-regulating, and antimicrobial with supportive memory foam midsoles in order to make slippers that feel better and wear better for longer. It is an amazing pair of slippers. Something that really sets Overland apart is that they're one of the only brands in the world that uses true double-faced sheepskin. So the suede you see outside is the same piece as the fluffy sheepskin that you feel inside. It's lighter, it's more breathable, and it means there are no synthetic materials touching your feet. Everybody needs slippers, so they're also the perfect no-brainer gift. I love mine. Overland is offering a 100% satisfaction guarantee, and their commitment to customer service is absolutely amazing. So don't wait another day to slip into something way more comfortable. Get the very best 
highest quality sheepskin slippers on the market at overland.com slash Rome. You'll get free shipping and free returns, and I recommend that you go right now because these slippers are so beloved and they have been known to sell out. Make sure you do this. That's overland.com slash Rome, overland.com slash R-O-M-E. I was just going to say, Tim, excuse me. I was going to say, this shit is so good. I love this. Like, like I appeared on Ben Newman's podcast recently, and he asked me, Tim, what is the most important thing that I have learned since I started on this path of reinvention? And I began this specific podcast, and I said, man, Ben, so many things, so many things. And it wasn't until that conversation ended that the most important thing I had heard yet, and that interview ended, so I couldn't say it, but I want to say it right now. The most important thing I've heard yet, Tim, is something I've heard from others, but you've said it more emphatically than anybody I've heard say it. And you said, quote, the mind is stronger than your feelings. Your mind has to be stronger than your feelings. I mean, tell me I'm wrong, but is that is that not where you need to start if you want to rebuild your mind, your body, your entire life? The mind has to be stronger than the feelings. 100%, Tim, 100%. Think about every, every poor or bad decision an individual, including myself, you know, I can't speak for you, but... Yes, you can. Every decision, poor decision that you've made, you've made with your feelings. And you knew, and you knew, and you knew what the right decision was. You're like, okay, this is, this is the right decision. But somehow your, influ- your, uh, your feelings let you influence that decision, and it didn't turn out the way you wanted to, because you were so concerned about somebody else's Feelings, not hurting that, in, not hurting that individual or, or a group of or a group of individuals, and you actually ended up hurting yourself more, and got a negative, then got a negative result. And every decision that you've made with your mind, it may not be the most popular decision. All right, and, and that's what that's a big distinction between uh, you know people when they make decisions with their feelings, they're looking for the popular decision. When you make feelings with your mind, you're looking for the right decision. You're looking for the winning decision. All right? And when you make those winning decisions and you make those, um, uh, those decisions with your, with your mind, there are going to be some casualties. There just are. And the problem is those casualties are usually immediately. The ones that you, the decisions when you make with your feelings, you're still going to have casualties, and it starts with you. And then everything else later on, where you were trying to protect individuals or trying to protect something, it's eventually going to catch up anyway. Hmm. So, Tim, I would imagine you would argue that winning, winning is inside every one of us, every last one of us. If that is, in fact, the case, why do so few of us truly win consistently if it's actually inside of all of us? Well, because that's where it stays for most individuals. I always say this. I said winning is inside all of us, but for most individuals, that's where it'll stay. And this is the reason why. People are afraid of success. People are afraid of winning. They like to see what it looks like. They like to see it in other individuals, and every now and then they'll get a taste of it, or they'll they'll get that win, and then they'll figure out, what they had to give up to get that win, that they're like, okay, if I got to do this again, I got to give up even more. I got to sacrifice even more. I got to do it. I got to do it even better. So like, you know what? It's too much. It, 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 it's, it, it's too much. 
and, and then just people just like you know what I, I, I'm I'm comfortable I'm comfortable the way I am and when people talk about that greatness inside is inside all of us you have more individuals that can relate to not releasing their greatness not releasing their winning than you can to the individuals that actually do because all the people that kept it inside that said uh, it's too difficult it's too hard it's too it's too difficult to to manage that battlefield uh, in the mind, all those things. You have a lot more of those individuals, and they get together, and what they do is they comfort everybody else. They give those, they give them the excuses of why they're in the same situation that they're at, and everybody ha- raises a glass and toasts and says, yeah, look at that person. Look what they did. And inside, you're actually wishing you were that person, that you could have released something that you had inside of you that everybody has the ability to do, but you're not willing to give up the things that you need to give up in order to release winning. Right. Hey, listen, I think we're all feeling it. Do not let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or somebody just like me, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. What an absolutely amazing product. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device which releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. So whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the daily stresses of life, there is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. You just go to their site, you check it out, and the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. I'm telling you, this product is amazing. It's trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid, also elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds of thousands of customers just like you and me. So do this. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash reinvention right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. I've already got mine. Go to therabody.com slash reinvention. therabody.com slash reinvention. So, like, Tim, you have an, an, an exercise that you do with your clients, with your athletes, with your corporate clients, where you ask them, describe winning in a single word. What is the response you typically get or response is? Well, it, it's funny. The responses I get from my clients is exactly that, what I said in the book. You know, it, you know it, it's unapologetic. It's dirty. It's nasty. It's unfor- it's unforgiving. You know all those things that it's uh, it, it's just it's hard. It, it, it's really really difficult. And then you ask the other individuals who haven't really wanted anything, and they talk about all the you know oh it's euphoric, it's fun, it, it, it's happy, it, it's all these things, and it, it it can be, but the time that you spend, the moments that you spend in happiness, the time that you in euphoria, the, the time that you spend in joy so much less than the time that you spend in those other things. And then, you know, Kobe, Kobe described it. I asked him, and he said, you know, that winning is everything. And I said, uh, I said, elaborate on that. He goes, well, how do you feel when you win? It's unbelievable. How do you feel when I win? I said, I, I can't describe it. When your kids win, when my kids win, all, all this other stuff. And he goes, that feeling is that that feeling is everything. 
But in order to get to that everything healing, it's all those other things that you that you have to do. I mean, you look at it. I described it. Uh, I described it this way. Kobe played twenty years. He played twenty years as a professional basketball player. Twenty years for five days of being a winner for five days. I mean, obviously he won. He's winning in business. He's winning in everything else. But for truly to be called a champion for five single days, that's hard. That's nasty. That's unapologetic. That's unforgiving. You know, but for those five days, it's everything. It's everything. See, it's, it's an amazing thing that you just said, that he 20 years of that grind – to win for five days. Now, this book, a lot of what you write about, and even this podcast is called The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. So what I'm curious about Kobe is, and you were very close to him, Tim, and you worked with him. Yeah, It's one thing when he played, right? When he played the game, he was all in, he was focused. But we're talking about a mindset, and we're talking about a winner. I'm really curious. Explain what Kobe was like, quote, in retirement. Of course, he was not retired. He just found a new mission. But once basketball on the floor ended, what was Kobe and his mindset and his approach like? You know, it, it, never, it never really changed. You know, he just – winning took on a different definition. And now it was – you know, hey, I'm going to. <laughs> I, 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 in my mind, I've always, I've always said, I said this. You know, where Kobe was like, okay, I own L.A. on the basketball court. Now I want to own it in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I want to own it in the production. I, I want to own it in TV. I want to own it in. I want to own it in business. You know, he went out and got and got uh, and got a. I think it was an Emmy. I think he went out and got got an Emmy, and then you know he made time to coach his, to coach his uh, uh, coach's daughter's ba- basketball team, and then just be constantly constantly be relentless and winning in business. And it's very important for individuals to do that who are highly competitive, who who define winning as part of their personality. That it just doesn't. It may change into a different form, but it doesn't stop because if you don't put that, if you don't put that mindset, if you don't put that attitude, if you don't put that work ethic into something else, it can lead into destructive behavior because you're like, I've been competitive my whole life. Now all of a sudden I got nothing. I got nothing. You know, you know, he knew when it was getting towards the end that hey, let, I need to start making this. I need to start making this tra- transition here into into the into the business world. And to him, you know, he was as competitive in the business world as he was on the basketball court. All right, so Tim, what's really interesting is what you just said that if you don't channel that, it can turn into destructive behavior. But even before you get there, you write that not only have you seen it happen in sports. But in business as well, where you've got individuals and they're on a clear trajectory to success only to have their careers destroyed inside of what you have called their own mental bomb shelters. Like they came so close, then they came off the rails. What do you mean by that? What happens to those people? Well, what happens is they, they get they get so close to what they what they what they want to get what they've been chasing for so what they're chasing for so long 
I, so what they've been what they've been chasing what they've been chasing said said that we we've we've all I've almost got it I've almost got I've almost got it all right well and then winning changes the winning changes that direction right before it's almost right before all right before almost is there and they they're just like that just literally puts the brakes on the individuals they're like you know what it just gave me something I wasn't I wasn't expecting. It, it, it knocked over the it knocked over the champagne bottles. It turned off it turned off the it turned off the lights right before I was getting ready to hold hold the trophy or getting ready to win, win the awards. So and that 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 just that just shoots every single mental bomb, every single mind that they have in there. Their feelings start to their feelings start to take uh take over instead of their heart being heart being strong. Everything that they've dealt with just literally just it, it instead of it propelling them it starts just to crush them hmm. all right so a quick thought for some of you small business owners today small business owners are busier than ever time spent searching for and interviewing candidates can take time away from managing and growing your business this is why you need linkedin jobs LinkedIn Jobs has made it so much easier to get the candidates worth interviewing faster, and it is free. I think we would all agree. It is so hard to find those really good employees that move the needle, that make a difference. LinkedIn Jobs can help you do that. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. You can focus on candidates with the skills and the experience you need. You can use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified people. Then, you use the simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you would like to interview and hire. I use it. I go there all the time. I love it. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates worth interviewing faster. Did you know that every single week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Rome. Again, linkedin.com slash R-O-M-E to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. So, Tim, you also talk about the most important muscle in the race to greatness, and I quote, <laughs> and I quote, you know where I'm going, the I don't give yep, a I fuck do. muscle. I don't give a fuck muscle. Why is that the single most important muscle in the race to greatness or winning? Well, you know what it is? Here's the thing. You have to earn the right to flex that muscle. That's the thing. You have true winners have along the process that goes through it learn to flex that muscle. They learn to flex it. They learn to use it because it's one of those muscles that, you know, when you're starting off in that, when you're starting off in that race to whatever, whatever you're chasing, that muscle is extremely weak. And just like any other muscle, if it's not used, it, it stay it, it atrophies. It stays small. It doesn't get, it doesn't get used. So with every every small win that you get, every small win that you get, and there are wins out there every single day, that muscle gets a little bit stronger, which allows you to flex it a little bit more. It gets a little bit stronger with each win, with each win, and you start to learn and know how to train it to really start being able to flex it and use it right when you have to get past. This goes back to what you just discussed about the almost, because when you get stuck at almost, all right, 
you never truly strengthen that muscle to the capacity that it needed to be strengthened because that last don't give a fuck flex is going to be the most important one to get you to that win. Now, Tim, this book, Winning, I told you this, uh, when, when I read it, and I read it very, very quickly when it first dropped, I told you it's, it's a masterpiece. The book is brilliant, and I'm trying to get to as much as I can with respect to your time as I can, so I'm just kind of jumping around a little bit. I also want to bring this up. You advise your individual clients and even the teams you work with to devise new normals for themselves. I love that concept. I really do. Why is it so critical to come up with a new normal? And then how do you do that? For instance, do you just create it and then commit to it? Or is there another strategy? How do you come up with a new normal? Well, you come up with, you, you come up to find out what the physical and mental capable, uh, uh, makeup is of the team that you're working with, the individuals that you have that you have on there, because what you the brain constantly evolves, training constantly involves, thoughts constantly uh, constantly involves, individuals constantly involve. You know, th- different things happen in individuals' lives and uh, through their experiences or through their families and through these d- different things. So, what you consider what you consider to be something three months ago is totally irrelevant now. So you got to, you got to constantly be able, you got to be able constantly be able to adjust. You got to constantly be able to adapt. You constantly have to be able to overcome. And if you do, if you do those things, developing something that is out of normal and something that's new, because, you know, just think about, you know, when Michael MJ talked about this, of his, uh, of why he wore a new pair of shoes every single game and every single practice, because that feeling of something new, that feeling of something new, you know, that when he was a kid, when he would get a new pair, uh, he would get pair, uh, we get pair of new, uh, new, ju- uh, new jumpers, new basketball shoes. It would be something, it, it would give him something inside. It would continue to light that fire that he had lit in there. So, and we forget that, you know, it's, it's not always an object. It has, it, it can be something, it can be something internal. And it can be something internally that's new, that's new to us. It can be internally that's something new to winning. It's internally new to our, to our mindset. It can be something new to our, our, our physical makeup, something new to our family, something new to the team. It has to, const- it has to constantly evolve. So what you're talking about is we're, we're talking about a process of renewal, the way we think, the way we act, the way we process, the way we eat. I mean, is this thing going on? Is this a weekly thing? Is it a daily thing? Is it not something you can put your finger on? You just keep doing it? You just keep doing it. Look at yourself. I use just an example. I use just an example. Think of every single thing that you've done, all the, and you've had, you've had to, you know, you've, you've re, uh, you've reinvested in, you've reinvested in yourself. You've had to reinvent yourself at, at, at times and to constantly, to constantly win over and over and over again. And some of them were like immediately and others took, others took long, uh, others took longer until you found, until you found out what that, what that new thing was. No, I think you're right, Tim. In fact, I mean, I'll, I'll selfishly, 
one of the reasons I've taken this on is I do want to reinvent myself, but I want access to people like you so I can have these conversations so I can evolve and get new information and new ways of thinking about things and doing things. And I'm energized by that, right? Like you are, you are who you roll with. I mean, is that something else? I mean, you talk about this and it's in the book and then it's not as much in the book, but man, you got to be really careful who you roll with, right? You got to be very careful who you associate with. How important is that to you? Oh, it is. I, hey, listen, you put, you go in a con, you have a room of people that win on a consistent basis, and you go ha- have another room with people that don't win on a consistent basis, they're having two totally different conversations. Two totally different conversations. So what's, what, so what's fueling you? You know, what's fueling, what are you fueling and what's fueling you? All right. And the room that that has the people that are not winning is their conversation is pretty much the same among all the individuals. The room where individuals are are winning, that's where all the that's where or you know what you said earlier, all the new the new thoughts, the new actions, the new i the new ideas, the new the new concepts. That's where not only do individuals they push you, they pull you, they they hold you accountable. They don't let you get too comfortable. And those are not easy. Those are not easy conversations for individuals. Those are not easy conversations for individuals. So it's extremely important, extremely important who you choose as your friends and who you choose as your allies. Mm. So a couple of things, and I could do this for hours, and I so appreciate this conversation, but a couple of things, Tim, before you go. You write in winning about the importance of betting on yourself, that you can't win big without betting on yourself. But again, and we touched on something similar to this, how often do people actually bet on themselves? And what does it mean to really bet on yourself? It means you're all in. It means you're, it means you're all in. People always expect somebody else to bet on them. Mm. How can someone else bet on you if you won't bet on yourself? All right, if you won't bet on yourself, and in order to bet on yourself, have you done what's necessary in order to win that bet, in order to come out, in order to come out ahead? Have you done everything possible, or are you just looking, are you just looking for, uh, for shortcuts? Are you just looking for answers? Have you done the research? Have you done the homework? Have you done the legwork yourself? You know, I always say this, it's when you bet on yourselves, individuals that bet on themselves truly understand that there's no stairways to success. There's no five steps. There's no 10 steps to greatness. There's all this. Those steps are infinite. And the people that bet on steps on themselves know that they got to constantly climb those steps. Sometimes they got to crawl up those steps. Sometimes they got to sit down on those steps they got to trust themselves that a next step is available, even if they can't see it. And they got to know that sometimes those steps, you're going to slip and you're going to fall all the way down and you got to get back up and start and start climbing again. That's the individuals 
that you're willing to bet on because you know they bet on themselves through all the processes. See, what I'm hearing from you, Tim, is it's it's interesting, right? Because, let's, I mean, let's be honest. Like, it's a book. It's a book that I read and I loved. It's a book that I'm telling people to go out and get. But what I'm hearing from you is, and you know how, you know how this is, right? In marketing and business, they love to say, hey, just package it, man. Make it so it's like, there are these 10 steps. There are these 15 steps. And even though you and I have something to sell or share man there is no such thing right there is no hack there is no shortcut there aren't 10 convenient steps to anything if it was that easy i i I get you get this question i know i get this question all the time what's the one thing i wish it was that simple i wish it was that simple that's what everybody's looking everybody's looking for that one thing Tim, my thing always was back way back in the day, even like if there was a shortcut, uh, I would have found it. Or if I was smart enough, I would have found it. I just, I figured out there was no shortcut. I, I knew I wasn't the smartest guy in the room, but I knew that I was smart enough to realize there is no shortcut. There is no hack. You got to do the work. So let me finally ask you this. I know you're always asked about Michael and Kobe and Kobe and Michael because you work with both of them closely. They were very different guys, and then they were similar in some regards. But I want to ask you this. Arguably, we're talking about the GOAT or the GOATs, two of the greatest athletes of all time in any sport. My question then is this. Was it because of their extreme athleticism and talent and God-given ability that separated them from everybody else, or did they get separation in other ways? Why were they the outliers? Here's the thing. I've worked with thousands of professional athletes. All right, not hundreds, thousands. And let me tell you, Michael or Kobe were not the most athletic, gifted individuals I've worked with, not even close. Now, they were up there, but there were so many other individuals that, that were. They just didn't rely on that one thing. They didn't just rely on being more athletic. Being, being able to being able to jump higher because they knew there was other individuals that could do that better than them and they, in time there was going to be more individuals that can do that better with them so they relied on a multitude of things to a uh, uh, multitude of things to uh, to win i mean we would literally go there would be times where the training with these individuals was strictly like we'd go to the gym there was no basketball involved we would literally put all the hoops up, and all we did was defensive footwork, defensive footwork stuff. And there were—I mean, sometimes there were weeks that shots shots weren't even shots weren't even taken. They they weren't even ta- they weren't even taken. So all the aspects that everybody thinks are the most important things 
they paid attention to all the things that created separation from everybody, from everybody else. So they understood that, listen, I, I have to be, if I'm not able, how can I affect the game? How can I affect the game? if certain aspects of my game aren't working that day, if I have to play somebody who's a little bit faster than me, well, how, how can I stay in front of them from a defensive standpoint? If I'm not able to score on that particular day, how can I still impact, how can I still impact the, uh, impact the game? Can I get my, t- can I get knowing when to get my teammates involved, where they can, where they can, uh, putting them in positions where they best, to, uh, best to score, all right, allowing allowing me to uh, help them cover up their deficiencies. So they have paid attention to every little detail. When they said, you know, don't sweat the small stuff, they sweated everything, hmm. every little detail. Because the one detail they didn't pay attention to, they knew somebody else was going to pay attention to it. So, Tim, a final thought, because I think it relates to that, and then this relates to all of us. You're really big on the importance of knowing how to think for yourself. How critical is it to know how to think as opposed to what to think? What is the difference? There's a huge difference. Listen, our whole education process, at least mine was, was always was always what to think, what to think, what to what what to think. You know, you, you read a book, you read a text, you read this, and this is you know this is this is the way it done way it's done. So what happens is you 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 lose your intuition, you lose your instincts, you lose your ability to have a reflexive mind to be able to adjust to be able to adjust quickly. The best individuals I know, the the most successful individuals. They know how to think. And you look at everything that's happened in the world in technology and business and so forth. They created though, if everybody if they were all about what to think, none of these things would have none of these things would have existed. It's all it was all about how to think, how to think, how to think. And what happens is we lose our ability to do that. We admire it in so many other individuals. You know, you'll hear the man, he's, uh, he or she is so quick-witted. Or, oh, wow, how come I didn't come up with that? Or this or all this other stuff. That's all, that's all how to think. But we're so afraid to be, you know, how everyone says, think outside the box. Don't think outside the box. There is no box. So the individuals that know how to think understand there, there is no bar. There is no box. And they create their own thought processes along with everything that they've also learned before. All right. So finally, finally, my last thought. You said this is what we admire. I agree with you. I'm going to tell you something else I admire that I want more of. And I want to really get your thoughts on this. Tim, you said the book. In the book, you'd write that this is about grit and not about glamour. I wonder, I know you're not. I know the people you associate with are not. Collectively, are we getting softer instead of grittier? And how would you define yeah. grit? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, you know what? The best way I describe uh, the best way I describe uh, describe you know the grit and the grind. I was like, here it is. If the grit is not about the payday, it's not about the payday. All right, it's not about the accolades. It's about what you what you have to. It's about what you have to do. It, it, it's it, it's a it, it's a it's a necessary step that has to be repeated on a daily daily basis. 
All right. And when people always say, I'm grinding, I'm grinding, I'm grinding. If you take something and you constantly grind it, what's going to happen? It's going to turn into dust. It's literally going to turn into dust. These individuals, the individuals that win, the teams that win, the businesses that win over and over again, when they grind for something, they are making it into a shape. They're taking away the un necessary parts they're chipping away at what they don't need it's like either like describing an ice sculptor or drive or a piece of clay you move things around you take away from that block of ice in order to perform that sculpture that you know you see in all these different things you take a block of clay and you move things around you get rid of the unessentials you get rid of things that you uh, that you don't that you don't need that's what, that's what, when you talk about grind, you, what are you forming when you're grinding? What are you forming? What shape does winning look like to you when you're constantly in the, when you're constantly dealing with the grit, when you're constantly dealing with the grind? You just can't, man, I hate when people say, man, how's you, man, I'm grinding. I'm grinding. Well, what are you grinding for? What are you grinding? What, what form of winning is, is grinding going to take? Because if you don't know that, you're just going to end up grinding yourself into the ground. To a pile of dust. I'm going to walk off on that. That is a great, great analogy and a great visual. Tim, the book is just awesome. Winning is an amazing book. I would recommend everybody get it and read it and read it more than once. I've got my copy. I've marked it up. I have read it more than once. I appreciate you. I appreciate that we have a friendship and a relationship. My man, that was great. Thank you so much, Tim, for making time for this podcast. And that was everything I thought it would be. Much respect, Appreciate my man. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. And you know, if you need anything, please just reach out. So one of the things I admire and appreciate the most about Tim Grover is that he will always shoot you straight. He's not here to tell you what you want to hear. He's here to tell you what you need to hear. In fact, you almost have to earn the right to even get an audience with Grover. And what I mean by that is, if you're not committed to doing the work and to meeting a certain standard and doing it every single day, he's not going to work with you. He has no time for bullshit, and especially for those who are BSing themselves. Oh, and speaking of bullshit, I love that he calls bullshit on anyone in this space or on social media or pushing a book who says there are five or 10 or 15 steps to success or enlightenment or winning or that there's a hack or a shortcut or some sort of map per se. There is no actual blueprint for winning and winning is dirty. It's nasty. It's uncivilized. It's unapologetic. It's unforgiving. And most of all, it's not for everyone. In fact, winning actually is not for most people because most people do not want to pay the price required to win and not just to win once, not to have that one big win, but to win over and over and over again because it's just too demanding. I mean, sure, most want the prize. They just don't want the work that goes along with getting the prize. Like the entire conversation resonated with me, but if you've heard this podcast even once, you know where I'm going next, to Grover breaking down the importance of winning the battlefield of the mind. Once you do that consistently, you can begin attacking everything else, but until you do that, 
you have no shot of any kind of sustained or consistent winning or success. I could not agree with him more when he says that if you think of any bad decision you made in your life, any bad decision at all, it was always inevitably based on emotion and not your mind. Like, it's not an original thought, but it is the most important concept that I have revisited since beginning this journey, and it seems to come up in some form or some variation every single week. The mind has to be stronger than your feelings. Those who understand that and execute accordingly win, but those who are always giving into impulse, giving into their feelings, and whatever the emotion is at that moment are the ones who are getting their heads handed to them on the daily. And since everything starts with your thoughts, you need to constantly monitor, renew, and change them accordingly. I want to hit a few more things that Tim writes about and talks about that I think that he nails. We'd all agree. For you to live the type of life that you want to live, you need an elite mindset. Of course, we talk about that all the time. However, Tim talks about a relentless mindset. That winning and succeeding requires the individual to be relentless. Remember what he said about Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. That as gifted and talented as Jordan and Kobe were, Grover says he's worked with plenty of others who were better pure athletes, who had more pure talent than those two guys, but not their relentlessness, especially as it relates to mindset, a relentless mindset. It relates to knowing how to think for yourself as opposed to what to think. That's critical. Don't wait for somebody to tell you what to think. Learn how to think for yourself. And then commitment. Just commitment. You can't win unless you're willing to bet on yourself. But so few actually do that. Plenty of people say they do, but how many actually do? As an example, you have all these people saying they want to do it, but it's actually just noise. They're not all in. A bet on yourself means pushing every chip to the center of the table and then throwing in your car keys and your phone for good measure. It means you're going all in. All in. All day. No days off. That's what Grover means when he says you bet on yourself. Because the fact of the matter is, if you're not willing to bet on yourself, why would anybody else? Now, I could talk about his new book and his theories and teachings for hours. The book is that good. But instead, what I'm going to encourage you to do is get it yourself. Read it yourself. Put it into practice on your own. It's superfood for the brain. It's a tremendous read. And in the meantime, if you're enjoying what you're hearing here, I would love for all of you to tell somebody else about it, share it, review it, subscribe to it. It all goes such a long way, and I appreciate you so much. Thanks for making time for this podcast and for all your feedback. Have an amazing week, and I will see you next time right here on the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.